Brothers Through Time, Triassic Troubles, Chapter 5. The force of the waterfall slammed the boys into the bottom of the lake. Mason was able to quickly grab onto Eli and Landon before Viator kicked on its buoyancy protocol, propelling them upwards to the surface. They burst through the water, gasping for air and coughing up water. The lake was calm, almost serene, compared to the raging river they had just escaped from. Mason checked on Eli and Landon to make sure they were all right. Are you guys okay? He asked, his concern etched across his face. Eli and Landon nodded, both still catching their breath. Mason let out a sigh of relief, grateful that they had survived the tumultuous ride down the river and over the waterfall. As they floated on the surface of the lake, Mason couldn't help but look around in awe at the prehistoric landscape surrounding them. Towering trees with giant ferns and cycads lined the shores of the lake, and the sky was filled with pterosaurs flying overhead. They had been circling above them, flying in a frenzied and erratic manner. It was as if they too were in danger and trying to escape from something. Mason, Eli, and Landon looked at each other in confusion, wondering what could be threatening these flying reptiles in the sky. The water around them was calm, yet they felt a sense of unease. The boys swam as hard as they could towards a nearby shore, seeking refuge and safety from the dangerous creatures that lurked in the water. Finally, they reached a protected cove and collapsed on the sandy beach, their bodies exhausted and their minds overwhelmed by the events of the day. They closed their eyes and slipped into unconsciousness, hoping that they would wake up to see another day. Mason, Eli, and Landon slowly opened their eyes to Vitor's alarm blaring. 14 hours remaining. In their ears. As they sat up, they saw the sky was painted red and the air was filled with a constant low rumble. The asteroid was drawing near. The boys were shaken by the reality of their situation. They had been through so much already, but the end of the world was upon them. They looked at each other, trying to find words to express their thoughts, but nothing came out. Mason was the first to break the silence. We gotta move. We can't just sit here and wait for it to happen. He's right. We have to charge this thing as much as we can and hope it's enough to get us out of here. The Lapis Constructum is just over that hill. It won't take us long to get there. As they stood up, they could hear the screeching sound from the pterosaurs above. They must sense the asteroid coming. The boys quickly packed up their belongings and began to move towards higher ground. The ground was muddy and slippery, making it difficult for the boys to keep their footing. They had to slow their pace and take careful steps, using nearby trees and rocks for support. Mason slipped and fell several times, his pants and shoes now covered in mud. Hey, do you guys remember that time we went camping with Mom and Dad? Oh yeah, we went hiking and Dad got us lost. And Mom made those really good s'mores. Oh man, I could use one of those right now. Remember when we were trying to set up the tent and Dad couldn't figure out the instructions? Ha ha ha, yeah, he was getting so frustrated. And then Mom came over and showed him how to do it in like two seconds. And then we all snuggled up in the tent and told spooky stories. I remember we were all so scared when we heard that owl hooting outside. But then Dad showed us how to make shadow puppets on the tent walls. That was so cool. I think that was one of my favorite trips we ever took. Me too. We should plan another camping trip once we get back home. Just maybe one that doesn't involve us almost being eaten or drowned. As the boys reached the top of that hill, they saw the Lapis Constructum standing before them. The blood-red sky made the pillar look like it was on fire. 
the ground continued to shake, making it difficult for the boys to maintain their balance. The lapis constructum was a nearly ten-foot-high stone pillar that was smooth and polished, almost like it had been carved by a master craftsman. The surface of the stone was a deep blue color, with veins of white and gray running through it. It was perfectly cylindrical, with no discernible markings or carvings on its surface. At the top of the pillar, there was a small flat surface that seemed to have been intentionally created, almost like a miniature platform. The boys couldn't help but feel a sense of awe and wonder as they stood before the lapis constructum, knowing that it held the key to saving their world. The boys circled around the lapis constructum, scratching their heads as they tried to figure out how to charge the chronosphere. They searched for any buttons or places to set the chronosphere, but found nothing. After a few minutes of frustration, they decided to try a different approach. Eli, get on my shoulders. Landon said, crouching down. Eli climbed up onto Landon's shoulders, reaching up toward the top of the pillar. He searched the surface for anything that might be useful. Then, he spotted a circular groove that perfectly matched the size of the chronosphere. Guys, I found something! Eli shouted down to Mason and Landon. Mason quickly pulled the chronosphere out of his bag and tossed it up to Eli. Eli caught it and placed it in the groove. The chronosphere began to glow with a blue light, and the lapis constructum began to vibrate. The ground shook beneath the boys' feet as they held on tightly to the pillar. Current charge, 1.9%. Configuring estimated time to full charge. Five days, three hours, and 21 minutes. As the boys stood in amazement of the lapis constructum, a loud boom shook the ground beneath them. Eli, who was standing on Landon's shoulders, lost his balance and tumbled to the ground below, his legs crashing hard against the rocks. Mason and Landon rushed to his side, but they were quickly distracted by a cloud of ash and smoke rising in the distance. The ground rumbled beneath their feet, and the sky turned a deep red as lava spewed from a nearby volcano's crater. Without a second thought, the boys scrambled to find shelter. They darted between trees and boulders, trying to avoid the fiery rain that was falling from the sky. As the boys huddled behind a boulder, they heard a sound that sent shivers down their spines. A piercing screech filled the air, and the ground shook beneath them. Looking up, they saw a flock of dozens of pterosaurs blasting off from the trees high into the sky. The boys watched in awe as the prehistoric creatures soared above them, their wings spanning wide and their sharp teeth glinting in the fiery light. But their amazement quickly turned to terror, as the sky grew darker and the rumble grew louder. The world around them was falling apart, with ash and soot filling the sky and the ground shaking violently. The bright burning asteroid was peering through, getting closer and closer. The boys knew they had to keep moving, but they were disoriented and lost. They stumbled through the ash-filled air, coughing and gasping for breath, and tried to find a way out of the chaos. But with every step they took, the world seemed to crumble further, and the pterosaurs circled overhead as if they too were looking for a way to escape. The boys were starting to lose hope when they saw a glimmer of light in the distance. It was faint at first, but as they moved closer, they realized it was a cave opening. Without hesitation, they ran towards it, hoping to find shelter from the cataclysmic events unfolding around them. As they entered the cave, they could feel the ground shaking beneath their feet and the sound of the eruption began to dissipate. But for the moment, they were safe from the ash and soot-filled air, and they took a moment to catch their breath and collect their thoughts. As hours went by, the boys waited for the chronosphere to charge. The world around them continued to crumble. The sky was filled with ash and smoke, making it difficult to see the sun, 
which burned bright and red like an omen of their impending doom. Suddenly, the boys heard a deafening roar of trees snapping and earth moving as a wave of lava poured down the hillside, destroying everything in its path. They peeked out of the cave to see the unstoppable flow of molten rock heading their way, devouring everything in its path. Realizing that time was running out, the boys made a break for the chronosphere. They dashed across the rocky terrain, dodging falling debris and leaping over smoldering cracks in the earth. The asteroid loomed closer and closer, and the ground shook with increasing intensity. At last, they reached the Lapis Constructum and scrambled up to the top. Eli quickly retrieved the chronosphere from the groove and held it tightly in his hands. Viator, send us back to the present time! Viator's voice boomed through the chronosphere. I'm sorry, Eli. There isn't enough charge to send you directly to your desired destination. Mason's heart sank. They had come so far and faced so many challenges. He couldn't let it end like this. Then get us as close as you can. Viator paused for a moment before complying. Very well. Rotate the illuminated dial and press the button to initiate the jump. And I will use all remaining power to send you as close to the present time as possible. Mason looked down at the chronosphere and saw the blue dial in the center. He began to rotate it 360 degrees until it clicked. His hand moved to press the button in the center of the chronosphere. The ground beneath their feet started to shake violently, and the boys stumbled as the lava was now at their toes. They looked up at the sky to see the asteroid breaking through the mesosphere and hurtling through the stratosphere. It was now a matter of seconds before the asteroid would collide with Earth. The asteroid's deafening rumble drowned out any attempts to communicate with each other. Landon gestured for Mason to pause for a moment. Wait! He shouted over the chaos. We need to leave some charge. We need Viator online when we land. Mason looked at Landon, then at Viator, and finally back at Landon. He couldn't hear a word that Landon was saying. What? He yelled back. Landon repeated himself, shouting even louder this time. We need to leave some charge for Viator. Mason shook his head, still unable to hear him. I can't hear you. Landon took a deep breath, then yelled as loudly as he could. Viator, I need you to save 3% of your charge. Adjusting course for 97% of current charge. Viator said. Mason nodded, finally understanding. All three boys looked at one another, preparing for whatever happens next. Just then, the world jolted. The asteroid hit the horizon with a blinding flash. The shockwave hurtled towards them, tearing up the ground and throwing trees like toothpicks. Landon, Eli, and Mason braced themselves for impact as the wave of destruction reached them. Just as they thought it was the end, Mason pressed the button and everything went white. The boys felt themselves being pulled in all directions, as if they were being stretched and compressed at the same time. They saw blurs of color and shape around them, but couldn't focus on anything. They tumbled through space and time, with no sense of direction or control. Finally, the blur started to slow down, and the boys felt themselves landing on solid ground. They were disoriented and dizzy, but relieved to have made it through whatever had just happened. They looked around, trying to get their bearings, and that's when Viator's voice interrupted their thoughts. Current time differential, minus 150 million years from the present day. Welcome to the Jurassic period. Mason, Eli, and Landon exchange exhausted looks as they realize the full extent of what they have achieved. They have traveled back in time, witnessed the end of the world, and survived to tell the tale. Viator, what has happened since we left? The world has changed significantly since your last visit. While the asteroid that hit was devastating to life in that area, the entire Earth was majorly affected by the enormous volcanic field that erupted in what will eventually become Siberia. 
It spewed lava that burned through limestone and coal beds and filled the atmosphere with carbon dioxide and pollution. That in turn warmed the planet, made the oceans acidic, and robbed them of oxygen. More than 90% of species in the oceans died out, as did two-thirds of those on land. As the boys looked around, they began to hear a deep, rumbling sound. The ground shook with each step. They looked at each other with fear in their eyes as they realized what was making the noise. The unmistakable sound of a T-Rex was getting louder and louder. They had only just arrived in the Jurassic period, and already they were faced with the greatest predator of them all. Viator's lights glowed brightly. Boys, welcome to the age of dinosaurs. This concludes Brothers Through Time, Triassic Troubles. Brothers Through Time is generated almost entirely by artificial intelligence, using ChatGPT to help write most of the novel. 100% of the narration is provided by AI voice generation called Eleven Labs, and Mason and Landon's voices were generated by an AI that was trained to their actual voices. Lastly, the artwork for each episode was generated by Midjourney, an AI art generation tool. We hope you enjoyed Book 1 of Brothers Through Time, and hope you will subscribe for additional stories.